Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode recently retired after a 38-year career in coaching. He was the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference Football Coach of the Year consecutively from 2011 to 2015 and again in 2017. In 2014, he was also named the AFCA Division II Football Coach of the Year as they won the 2014 National Championship at Colorado State University Pueblo. He also served Gary Barnett as a graduate assistant during Colorado's 1990 National Championship season as well. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, John Riston. I'm great. I uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm on uh, uh, grandpa duty a little bit, and so I'm proud. I'm three for three. I got him off to school on time, and I picked him up on time. Well, two and a half, I guess. So I'm, uh, I'm I feel good about myself. Well, that's good. You know, you gotta you gotta coach him up early on being on time, right? So yeah, so. that's a battle in the mornings. I guarantee you that. But we're we're good. Right, so one of those battles when when they're young and sometimes teenagers, right? Yeah, they they sure like uh, my singing in the morning. They tell oh. you too. Oh, so. well, that's good. That's good. That's what I have. A, I have a secret Pringles song that my daughter's a big fan of right now. So, oh. um, that's that's the that's the jam. So, um, I got but uh, besides being able to to have a, a little bit more family time, uh, recently retired from from coaching a, a long career in football, and um, you, know, you probably had a little bit of time a few weeks couple months to kind of reflect but as you kind of are coming off it what are some of the greatest joys that a, a career in coaching kind of brought you and and what was the f- most fulfilling things as you look back well i i don't think it, it's tied into the wins or losses tyler i i think um for me um i wanted to get into coaching because the coaches affected my life so much and I wanted to give back somehow and I didn't know what else to do in my career or whatever. I, I couldn't see myself being an accountant sitting behind a desk and doing all the things necessary, but I, I knew I wanted to give back. And so it was really humbling to me um, that all the kids that I I've ever coached uh, at or at all different levels that I, I, I got almost over, 250 texts the day that it came out announcing just saying thank you and, and uh, yeah. so that that that's really humbling and I think um, you know if you build it on relationships and, and treat people right now I'm not perfect and, and I, I made a lot of mistakes in my lifetime but I I think there's one thing that um, everybody knows by me that I'm gonna give you my heart I'm gonna admit that I'm wrong and um, I think we can grow together. And so I, um, that's what I, I try to make our society better by developing young men and people I touch to have that. So in a nutshell, that's what coaching is to me, is being able to help to get. And if you follow that, I firmly believe your wins and losses will follow. And you, I mean, you definitely had uh, a great share of victories during your, your time, a, a national championship uh, about eight years ago. Um, it, as you kind of reflect on those teams, I know when you when you do have kind of 
like you said, every team's unique and special and has its uh, you know journeys of the joy per se. But when you look back on on the national championship team, um, there there are elements that just kind of stick out, uh, whether it was leadership or or things that just you know sometimes happen by the kids. They're they're encouraged by the coaches, but sometimes it's hard to replicate these uh, nuances yeah. and, and little special spices that create championships. But was there something when you look back on that team that was a little bit abnormal, maybe? Well, I, I think there's, there's maybe probably three things that I, I think happened um, during, during that um, run that we got on is one, um, our second game of the year, we were able to go play, second or third game, I don't know what it was, but we were able to go play Sam Houston. And Sam Houston is a uh, premierial FCS playoff championship team. And uh, well, I was able to negotiate a, a deal where we were able to charter and go down there and play. And, and they were ranked in the top five of that. And, um, and they just got done playing LSU the week before. And mm. now they're playing Pueblo. The week afterwards, and um, our kids showed up. Um, it was unbelievable um, the way they played and the way they hung together. And, you know, we, we we didn't flinch at the challenge. Those kids yeah. just went after yeah. it, competed, and and that that showed you a little bit about the moxie and the 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 confidence that you had as a group. And and then um, I remember about six minutes left, we're up about. I, I'm probably 28 points at that time. And I'm rubbing my head like that's why I'm bald. I should have worn a hat right here to reflect the glare. But um, the, I, I remember I said, what the heck did we just do? And so those kids just came out and played. And, and I don't know if they were ready or not, but we, we were able to get it done. So let's, let's flip that, okay? Yeah. So there's some – things you go through in, in a, a really a 15, 14 game season that you had that the next week we go play Western state. And um, we have to go, our defense has to stop them fourth and one. And, um, and we're down. Um, let's see, we, we were down uh, four at the time and they were putting it away because the field goal does us no good. In two minutes, we, we throw an interception. They drive it down. Defense stops them. We go 98 yards in, in less than, you know, it's right about two minutes. And we, we found a way to win. We found yeah. a way to overcome. And we, we weren't ready to play. It's my father's a coach. But, um, you know, we found a way to get, get it done. And so then – during that season, we, we went down and we, we lose to Fort Lewis and we, we mm -hmm. lose on a rain delay, lightning. And so um, I remember uh, the bus ride home on the offense bus was really quiet. Defensive bus, I, I got a couple texts. There was a couple, um, you know, um, finger pointers. And finger pointers are guys mm -hmm. that, that uh, aren't really um, sorry about that. Oh, yeah. um, um, I, I, I got uh, word that there's a complaining, you know, yeah. instead of up. So I, I remember our Monday meeting afterwards that uh, I, I put on a 
normally we, we put on every Monday a victory clip, you know, four or five outstanding plays and celebrate it. Yeah. And I, I did that. But I also put on a play that said that, uh, you know, we weren't doing our best mm-hmm. and pointed out some of the things that wasn't our standard. And then I had a meeting with our leadership group and it became a um, I, I had to become a great listener and versus mm-hmm. great storyteller and mm-hmm. so the great i believe in in that moment i had to validate what their concerns were and say this is okay let's get it fixed let's do this thing together versus this is what we're doing wrong i think there was a different mentality that you had sure. to take. and i think those things are hard to fabricate so we got through that and we played with passion the rest of the year and then um our our national championship game i i believe was one on the opening day of our playoff run because our our matchups were what we wanted mm. and, and what we could really compete sure. well. And so we, we were able to do that. And then um, we get to Kansas City and I, um, we got there Wednesday night. I let the kids have a night. They went out and had fun. And, and uh, I didn't try to stuff them in a box and be so focused on that day. But from that point on, we went and practiced, just had a great time, enjoyed each other. And in my mind, I think our kids, because we talked about winning and doing those things, that in my mind, we've already won this game 10,000 times in their mind. Love it. And it had such a calming effect for me that I, and I told the kids that. I said, we won this game, but you, we just won it because I knew that they were prepared and the way to go after it the way they've seen it. And so those are the three, I think, big things that I can take away from that. And the great coaching staff we had to be able to mix it in together, the relationships that we all had to develop there. And so I I think it was really a a rewarding time because at the beginning of the year, I handed out T-shirts on our goals. It's WTLG. And that means a process. That means that to go win the last game, you got to buy into this process. And the process to me is I, I don't try to get too complicated with all that, but go win the day, put your head down and go to work and, 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 and go all gas, no breaks. And, and there's days you're not going to feel right, but make it the most, you know, try to do that. And that's what I try to get across. And sure enough, we were able to win the last game. And there's not too many times you can say that we set out, and we said we were going to do it publicly and we did it. And so that was kind of a great year, fourteen. Yeah, no doubt. Those playing uh, at the FCS level myself, I, those playoff runs are fun. There, there's something just week to week as they go. It's a, uh, it's the kids' excitement and the focus. It all gets dialed in. But you know, having that experience at FCS and my experience on our team is when we had a Division two team come to town. Was uh, you better buckle it up. This this team's going to be better than the bottom of our conference for sure, and they're they're out to get you. And uh, here in Colorado, uh, the conference RMAC I think is impressive. I know you coached against Austin Eckler. You've coached several guys to the NFL yourself, Tom Brady Center, uh, Ryan Jensen, and um, oftentimes the parents and kids just kind of sh- shoot for that D one or none kind of attitude. Um, but the people I speak with in their journeys that experience the other levels uh, just also seem fully enriched. Um, but what, why do you think kids 
parents and football players shouldn't overlook opportunities that they have at maybe the division two or FCS level? Well, I, I, I always call, call it as trying to find the right match. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, that right match, you got to listen to the other people. You got to hear what they're saying to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that involves your ego. And you got to check your ego to say, maybe that's the way we got to go. And that's the way we got to handle. I think egos get involved in so much that they don't, they're not setting realistic goals. And and the realistic goals are not necessarily what you can accomplish, but what other people are telling you. You you know, I'm holding my thumb and forefinger about an inch up, okay? And I believe that separates everybody in a sense, okay? The, the division one guys, maybe because they're that much taller, they they weigh that much more, they're that, that much faster. Or maybe they've done a little bit more in the classroom because they developed the character and work ethic and doing sure. a different thing. At, at, at an earlier age, maybe, mm-hmm. okay? And you say, well, I competed with them and I did all the right things, I did all those things. Yeah, but there's something missing and, 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 and you got to see it through somebody else's eyes. That's the problem. They all want to see it through their eyes. Yeah. And they don't want to have the reality of the truth on that thing. And sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying from one man's opinion, that's what gets in the way of people striving to go and, and being fulfilled, as you said earlier. Yeah. I mean, once you buy into accepting that, whatever that is, mm-hmm. that you are going to have the most unbelievable time going to college, playing a college sport. And so I I think that if you you understand the process of making sure that I have to listen, I have to find matches, and and then I have to go to work, understanding that. But everybody's holding out for that one shot, that one deal. And I get it. I mean, you have that right. But I'm saying for me, I want you to go find matches. I want to be able to do coach people that want to have matches, want to buy in with both feet, want to fully invest. And when when you do that, you get you, you got one accord. And when you have one accord, you're stronger. And when you and it all comes in finding matches. And so that's what I see the difference between maybe the vision of Division One, the reality of Division One, and what is Division Two all about. And yeah. people look down on it, and so uh, not, they don't look down on it. Maybe that's a strong word, but they they, they got to accept it and respect it. No doubt. Kind of- no doubt. Um, you talk about matches. You know, I think that's. I think when I get asked by kids, one of the pieces of advice I always kind of give them is, if heaven forbid, car accident, you blow your knee out at practice, would you still go to school there? You know, if, if sports somehow get, gets removed from life by tragedy or otherwise, uh, would you go to school there? And I think that was something that advice that I got that gave me something to kind of, you know, also look beyond just sport and think beyond sport a little bit. Um, what advice would you give to kids when it comes to, I think that, that inch that we talked to that little bit, um, what can a high school kid or, or maybe even a young college athlete do to work on closing those gaps? Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing is that control what you can control. And that to me is your attitude and work ethic. Those are the only two things that you really have control over. And so your attitude about um, 
Am I treating people right? Am I going to class doing everything I can? Is my when I turn my paper in with my name on it, is is that a representation of what I want? Just not just turn it in. Because all those things tie up to whether you're an athlete or not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're all athletes, but are you gonna be an athlete that people are gonna evaluate? Because if you're half ass in one part of your life, you're gonna be half ass in the other. It just doesn't change. No and so my advice is what is your attitude? You know, what is it? Is it a, a Eeyore or Tigger? Okay. So I always say that Eeyore is all, it's mm. too, but I can't go out and play. It's too cold. I'm looking for the negative. Yeah. Do and then there's Tigger and they say, come on, let's go dudes. Let's go to work. Let's go bounce around. Let's go have some fun. Well, who do you want to be around? And so that's your attitude, as I just de de described, uh, to be able to do that. Your effort, to me, is how you go about it. Are you going to, when adversity strikes, which it will, are you saying it's too hard, I'm not going to figure it out? Or I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to put my head down and go to work. And I'm going to seek guidance and understand that guidance about what it takes to be successful. Now, athletic-wise, I, I can't. I'm not going to tell you you need to go work out with a special trainer. You need to go do all these different things. Yeah. I do know that if you handle those two things, you go to work, your high school coach, your club sport, whatever it is, are going to see a difference. And they're going to see a difference about a person that wants to go take the next step. Because the people that take the next step not only have athletic ability, but they have an attitude and effort that is above the call of duty compared to most students sure. in my because sure. I, I represent that and it, it shows I, like at a team full this this spring or this fall our team gpa was almost a 3.0 and that's 140 students yeah. so i think i've been able to see and identify and preach about what it means to control your attitude and work ethic yeah most definitely i think those are lifelong skills so we can apply um I know I had the opportunity to, to be a part of your fall camp this year for one night. And uh, one of the things that I enjoyed about that evening, and I think um, was uh, there's some fun going on before I, I presented. Um, I think having some fun is important. Um, balancing it with the, the heavy work and the things that we got to get done is important. Um, but where do you see the role uh, of fun in a college team and, uh, what are, what are some things that maybe you enjoyed when you guys got a little playful or did some, I know they, they were doing raps and stuff like that when I was there and uh, it was great. Uh, but what are some of the fun things that, you know, in those meeting rooms that you kind of reflect back on that brought you joy and, and why those little moments are important? Well, Tyler, I, I, I think that um, one, you can never fabricate it. Right. I mean, it, it, it has to come from the human spirit of the moment to be able to do that. And I think sometimes coaches, we want to control everything. And sometimes you got to let it go because you are a technically you are a stage hand as a coach. You pull the curtain, roll the piano out, uh, sweep the floor, make sure the buses are on time and you 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 control it that way. But you can't ever control the human spirit about those things. And that's what I want our kids to understand. Because if you're not having fun, you're not going to enjoy it. And so, you know how we spell fun at CSU Club World was W-I-N. And so, let's go win the day, be able to do that. 
some things that I, you know, I, I remember when I was coaching at CU, my tight ends um, on April Fools <laughs> played one heck of a trick on me, and I, oh yeah, it, it was one of the things that they thought they had a situation in the dorm, and, <clears throat> and this kid went crazy, and he would only talk to me, and and my son's in the car, and, and uh, so I, I go, all right, I'll I'll be right there doing that, and then you know I'm driving there with 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 CT in the car. And, call me back and go gotcha april fools and cp just started belly in the biggest belly laugh that you could ever have <laughs> so it, it, it was really cool and then i i think um sometimes as a head coach you almost got to get on their level at times and you got to have that balance I, I i i mean for me that was easy to do i think that's yeah. You got to stay in your character. What was your character to be able to do that as a person and coach to be able to hold the standards? And so, uh, for me, it's, it's easy to get to that level and show them that you are human. Um, I, I know that they make fun of me when music comes on and I dance a little bit. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, and, and uh, I always uh, kids go, "Hey, that sounds like Little Wayne." You know, that's a little Wayne. I used to say that all the time. It wouldn't be close. Be Drake, something. They, they just roll their eyes and they, yeah. they try to call them things. But I, and I also think that as as a coach and a leader, um, you're you're going to be made fun of, and you're going to take some shots. And if you can't laugh at yourself, you shouldn't be in this business. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, in in my opinion, I, I was laughed at. I got to laugh at myself and not take it so seriously because. I think that's all in, intertwined together about your success and not walking on eggshells. But let's be people first. Let's enjoy each other first. And then let's go to work. Yeah. I think we see these videos on social media when basketball and football teams, when the head coach comes in and they turn the song on and the coach starts dancing and, and the video gets tons and tons of shares right and likes and all that thing and it's not because the quality of the dancing right it's because the coach is doing what they do i think in celebrating the way they celebrate and joining their silliness and doing their dance or whatever it is and i think uh that's what makes those videos so cool because they get a lot of attraction but it's it's the the moment that i see of the unity in in that little moment when they're you know the fun is like you said, they just W I N <laughs> and, and that's, and they go get it, get it be themselves. But um, I, I think one of the things being around Colorado and high school teams and, and around here for a long time, um, you have a great reputation uh, around the state. I think you've coached here for a long time. And when you talked earlier about giving back, um, I think you've done that, you know, beyond your program um, from, from what high school and other coaches uh, tell me about Um why is community? And I think sometimes the working together and collaboration between leagues, teams, schools can can get reduced. But why is community and collaboration so helpful in the football world? Well, I I, I don't know if there's um, one special thing, but I I do do. I think what it does, it, it, it prevents entitlement. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's a humbleness to be able to go serve other people. And I, I really think as leaders, as not only coaches, but players, to be able to go serve 
other people in a role helps you understand your role. And, and, and so uh, I, I firmly believe that um, once you give back and you earn that give back versus just going through stuff, your, your, your heart's fulfilled. And when, when your heart's fulfilled, you, you don't have any emptiness there where you, you can go do a lot of different things. And so um, I, I think it's very important to be humble. I think it's very humble to have um, servant leadership in a sense of what that, you know, there's different, different, different definitions for all that. But to me, um, if you can't serve, it's always easy to serve, but you can't always lead. But once you learn how to serve, you will be able to lead. And so I think those are the things that I, I, I really value about becoming whole. And the whole part of that is you're not, not entitled to this. You're not entitled to do this. You, you don't walk around. You, you're, you're, what can I do to make someone else's life better? Yeah. And then when you have that, you're going to appreciate all the little things you have in your life. Well said. I think one of the things I've also admired uh, about you is uh, in your longevity, I mean, coaching tenure, I, I played for a, a coach that's still at the same school at I think 21 years, which is, is up there right now. Um, and I think anything over 10 in a school is, is pretty remarkable. Um, what is it about, or maybe advice you would give about building a culture um, from, from when you came in with goals at CSU Pueblo and, achieve some of those goals, but what is it about building a culture? And then I think the next part, trying to sustain a winning culture. Yeah. I, I, I think building a culture is one, you got to be you. <laughs> I, I couldn't be Bill McCartney. I couldn't be Gary Barnett. I couldn't be anybody else, but I had to be John Rissman. Two, I think um, for me, um, I, you have to have some, um, guide rails, a railroad track to be able to make decisions. And whether that's accountability or how you handle accountability, I, I, I believe it's what's your core values are. And so our core values were trust, faith, and patience. And so um, I'm asking um, everybody to buy, buy into what is being said, okay? And that's hard. And, 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 and buy in the trust that I'm telling you the truth and being able to do that. Faith is making sure that that's the, the darkness. That's the belief without evidence on the other side that yeah. the trust is going to be able to handle. The third part is very difficult. It's the patient part of that. Mm -hmm. So when you set in culture up, I believe you got to identify what are your core values to hold them on the railroad tracks. Okay. And then the, the, the third part is, is really, you, you got to address it right away. I mean, you can't just sweep things underneath the rug or yeah. do different things. I think you got to address it right away. You got to look people in the eye and, and hold them accountable. Because when you do that, in my opinion, you enable leadership down the road. What I mean is that when players lead players because of missing, going, going to class, not holding to the standard. When your players handle the discipline because they see it, then you got everything in a culture you want. But when a coach has to do that, you yeah. become an adversary. You become something they don't want to be. And I sense, but it's all tied together. 
I mean, there's no separation of that. And you got to empower that. You got to be aware of it. You got to, you, you got to sometimes not, not turn the other cheek, but you got to be aware of it that, that this is going to be done because your players want to lead that. But you have, have to make sure that there's accountability from that trust factor from day one. Because if they don't have trust, trust factor from day one, there's always going to be that big question mark. Well, what if? And I don't like what ifs. Okay. I'm going to admit when I'm wrong. I'm going to admit when, when I made a mistake. But I'm also going to hold you accountable to your stuff. And I always tell our guys, if they get in trouble or anything, I want to hear it from you first, not from someone else. Yep. And that, that means oh, I missed a class. It means all the little things. I got a parking ticket, et cetera, et cetera. Because when you establish that, you got you got some accountability of, of looking through another person's shoes. I said that. Looking through another person's eyes, walking in another person's shoes to be able to do that. Because when you do, then then you're building the steps of success, not trying to be, oh, how can I get out of this? What yeah. can I do to cheat? Avoid that. And yeah. so and so the coach, you only with them so long through the day. Yep. But when players hold players accountable, you got something special. And I think it those are the things that you got to look for. You got to be you to help lead players. You got to have a core value system. And then you got to hold them accountable to that. And that's it. I love uh, how patience is one of your values because I think it's something we all need. And uh, as being one of those freshman kids, I was anxious to be a starter, anxious to get on the field. Um, but it was the patience and persistence that eventually got me there. Um, stuff you know, like what, what, one of those things also, I'm sorry to, yeah. but, but, you, you know, um, you, I, I believe there's no perfect kid on this earth. <laughs> and, and so part of that discipline or punishment is to get somebody to tell you the truth you can't run their ass out of it. You, you know, you can't suspend it, what everybody wants you to do. But for you to develop some um, culture and accountability, you got to be able to help them through their mistakes. Most you have got to help guide them instead of running them out. Now, there, there's, you know, sometimes I operate in a three-strike rule, and some of those strikes are subjective and doing those things. But you get got to help manage their heart of what they want to do. And if they make very good decisions by their attitude and effort, going back to the attitude and mm -hmm, effort, mm -hmm. then, then you got a chance to develop a culture. Love it. If you uh, – last question, Coach. If we uh, pulled up a time machine and, and sent you back to uh, your first – year of coaching and you got to give yourself uh, a little piece of advice. Uh, what would you tell yourself that first year of coaching with all your experience you have now? What What's the one little coaching tidbit you would tell your younger self? Uh, I don't have all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers and be proved that they're right and be so demanding and, and, and so headstrong that they're right. Um, and I think that comes from a humble heart. You got to be a, you got to be a learn how to serve to be able to, uh, go where you want to go. And then I, I also think, um, a lot of times in coaching in life, you learn what not to do and it's okay. Sure. sure. And so, um, you just file it away and make sure that you, you, you learn that and then be yourself as I, I go back to in coaching. You got, you can't be anybody else. And then if you don't know something, don't act like you do. 
<laughs> Don't be a phony. Be yeah. yourself and do that. And be a, a transparent as you can be. And, and, and then love the job you're at. Just love it. Don't look for the next job. Because if you love the job you're at, the next job will come about. But if you don't love your job and you're looking for the next job, it ain't going to work. It's yeah. not going to work. Never seen it happen. So really love love the job and the passions you are because you represent your name. <laughs> yeah. Not anybody else, but you represent your name. And so every, every step will happen if you do that the right way. I didn't understand that when I was younger. And and um, so those are the things I think I, I, I could say after 38 years of coaching, I think I, I can uh, – kind of digest it that way.